the West Slot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with a red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, we come to a point in our previews where things get a little dicey, I think, perhaps, for Northwestern as we uh, look at... You know, the, the team that won the West last year, finished undefeated in the regular season before uh, losing the Big Ten title game to uh, Ohio State. That's right, boys. It's time to talk about the Badgers. Wisconsin comes back. They don't return a lot of starters on defense, John, but does that matter? Boy, so I just want to pause for a second and say that I tend to focus my defensive previews around statistics and analysis, and when it comes to previewing an awesome Wisconsin defense, this certainly isn't my first rodeo. We've been doing this for six years. Um, With that said, I just want to depart from all of that for a second and talk about what Wisconsin's defense looked like in 2017. What it looked like was perfect. Just a privilege to watch on television. Like watching Barcelona at the peak of their powers or Nebraska run the option in 1994 or 1995. Just this symphony of synthesis and coordinated attack. I don't know how a person who truly loves football watched that defense and didn't experience joy. Um, This is all a way of tipping a hat to the thing that separated this Wisconsin defense, even from the many great units that came before it, Jim Leonard, um, to find a stronger debut for a first-time coordinator in college football, I would imagine we would have to go back to the Chip Kelly days as the OC at New Hampshire. Um, and we all remember those days painfully for Northwestern. But I, I've, um, tried, I've tried to forget. A lot, lot yeah. of booze has helped. <laughs> yes. Um How Leonard is still the D.C. at Wisconsin baffles me. I don't care that it was his first year. I don't know how any major program in need of a D.C. or any small program in need of a head coach watched what Leonard did running this defense last year and said, eh, I need more proof. Well, we're going to get more proof in 2018. Wisconsin is turning over seven starters this year, but that hardly seems important. This is a team composed mainly of three-star recruits, as it always has been. So it's not accurate to say the Badgers reload. They're more like one of those rusty Vietnam-era machine guns with an unlimited ammo belt that they just never stopped firing to begin with. And don't think about the way the gun sounds. They're never going to run out of ammunition. Um, With that said, this was the Leonard difference in 2017. Wisconsin started 11 players in a 3-4 defense last year, and six of them had at least eight tackles for loss. Six more Badgers had at least three tackles for loss. Wisconsin gave up 13.9 points a game, third nationally behind Alabama and Clemson, two defenses composed entirely of four- and five-star talent. The Badgers were number two in the Big Ten in run defense and pass defense. This wasn't a group of players, it was this single organism that could strike from any place at any time. It's funny to hear people talk about how Wisconsin's, quote, athleticism caught up with them in the Big Ten Championship when they gave up 27 points to an Ohio State team uh, with zero offensive support. 
as if Penn State didn't give up twice that many points to the Buckeyes, and as if the Buckeyes didn't score 20 less points against the Badgers than they normally did against everybody else. Wisconsin did not generate sacks in 2017 because they never generate sacks. They were too busy turning a Hawaii transfer cornerback into a CBS second-team All-American. Nick Nelson had a stupid 21 pass breakups last year, and he was supposed to be the other guy opposite Derek Tindall, who was also an All-Big Ten caliber player. Oh, and Wisconsin got 15 interceptions out of defensive starters who didn't play cornerback. But we're here to speculate, so let's spin this forward and see how the 2018 unit might be worse off than this one was. First of all, we're not going to waste any time talking about the run defense. The Badgers return Leonard, TJ Edwards, Ryan Connolly, Dakota Dixon, and Olive Sagapolu. That's a savant coordinator, four potential all-Big Ten first-team players who combined for 29 tackles for loss. Um, It's Wisconsin's returning starters at both middle linebackers, plus their starting strong safety, and a nose tackle who is 6'2", 350 pounds. Just throw the ball every down and pray that it works. Uh, Wisconsin does have to replace both defensive ends, which sounds like a factor in the past game, until you remember that Wisconsin rushes with outside linebackers, not defensive ends. And Wisconsin has to place replace both of those, too. Except one of the new starters will be Alan Van Ginkle, who had 10 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks, and 2 interceptions off the bench last year. So you're basically hoping that Wisconsin, the greatest defensive plug-and-play team ever, doesn't find one linebacker who can step in to fill the other spot opposite the other three guys. So, it all comes down to the cornerbacks. Wisconsin is almost certainly going to have a drop-off here because Tyndall and Nelson were awesome and they were almost always on the field. Presumably, one of the two new starters will be Dante Carrier-Williams, who was the nickel last year and the main backup cornerback. He had 30 tackles and 6 pass breakups. The other corner will be completely green and could be either Madison Cohn, Fayon Hicks, or Dante Burton. All three fit that Wisconsin profile of the high three-star guy who comes in and is awesome. So Wisconsin's going to be weaker at corner. But what about Leonard? What does a guy who produced a first year like that have in store for year two? Honestly, as a fan, it really isn't about asking questions. It's more about just being excited to see what he's going to dial up. Um, in what is almost certainly going to be his last year as Wisconsin's defensive coordinator. This guy's headed for greener pastures. He's going to be a head coach eventually. Uh, until then, God help any offense trying to score on the Badgers. And sorry, that includes Northwestern. You know, just taking a little bit of solace in the fact that we scored the second most points against them all, all season last year. Right. So, I mean, we did as well as anybody did. Nobody did well against this defense. We did less crappily than just about everybody else. So it's worth a pat on the back. In their house, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so, Scuzz, Wisconsin offensively, like, you know exactly what they are because that's what they always are, right? Yep. This will this this offense will rely on exactly what the Badgers have long relied on. So in, should, should we just r- run back last year's uh, offensive preview then? Um, no, not quite. Okay, uh, 
I, I mean, maybe. Do they have any over? <laughs> do they have any overweight running backs who like to fumble? That's all I. That's that's the key. Uh, no, not this year. What they have, uh, but what they have in in uh, in excess is what they always have, and that's enormous Wisconsin farm boys to road grade a path for their awesome running back. Uh, these guys look like the Globo Gym Purple Cobras dodgeball team. <laughs> they are big, nasty, and on paper they look pretty. Un- un- they look pretty unbeatable. Um, all five starters returned from last year, and not one of them weighs less than three hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> and that... they've all got two to three backups of similar makeup. Most publications are talking about this group as the best offensive line in the country, and I I have to agree. They are the Wisconsin Wisconsin Badgers, and they will they will rock you. Oh, <laughs> and and eat. I thought you were going to give us one of those dodgeball things where they're here to eat, run, pass, win, and, <laughs> and eat. eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be that would have been good too. Um, so add to the blocking prowess of that unit, uh, enormous human Xander Newville, uh, their tight end. He's coming off an ACL uh, injury last November. But um, gen- you know, generally Wisconsin plays two tight ends. They might move him into the back backfield as a lead blocker for Jonathan Taylor. They did lose standout tight end Troy Fumagalli. He led the team in receptions and large yards last year. He did miss the game against Northwestern. I think that's important to point out. Uh, in his place, a top flight recruit, junior Kyle Penniston, uh, should be an easy plug in. Um, though I'm I'm confident he's not going to lead the team in receptions. There's a lot of talent at wide receiver, but not many household names. I think AJ Taylor has gotten uh, some some uh, some play in the past. Danny Davis and Quintez uh, Cephas uh, all return. They all posted double digit yards per catch last year and at least five touchdowns apiece. Uh, these receivers are all like in the six foot mold, but they do really great damage downfield because defenses have to keep their eyes in the backfield. And this. We come to the secret of UW's uh, of UW's success over the over the years: the effectiveness of their running game. For close to 25 years now, it's been a virtual given. Year in and year out, the offensive line is stout. They put people had been putting people into the NFL this entire time on the O line, uh, and they generally have extremely dynamic running backs. Jonathan Taylor was only a freshman last year, but he posted 2,000 yards. 13 TDs, and a blistering 6.6 yards per carry average. Those are Melvin Gordon and Monty Ball-type numbers. Uh, the depth behind him is maybe a little sparse. Uh, Bradrick shot about 100 carries, uh, and going into this year, Chris James appears to be potentially the better talent. But, I mean, outside of an injury to, to Taylor, I there's nothing that can derail this this offense, in my opinion. The running game is just too good. The the other I guess ingredient to to Wisconsin's success that that bumps them from an eight to nine win team to a eleven to twelve win team, and that's when they have solid solid talent at QB. When the Badgers have been vulnerable in the past decade, it was due to turnovers and inconsistency from the quarterback position. Uh, you can argue that the offense two years ago suffered from that, and as a result, Wisconsin only went eleven and three. Um, Hornibrook who I had, I had a lot of questions coming to last year about him. Um, I did, I, you know, his numbers as a freshman were questionable. He was better than, uh, 
Bart Houston, but not substantially. He improved last year in every single uh, category. Uh, I was skeptical that was that 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 this was possible. He, he he maybe still threw a few too many picks, but I expect him probably to improve again this year. And Sam, this is why we can't just replay last last year's preview because there were true questions about how good he was going to be, and he he lived up to it. Um, I mean, the reality is that his job is somewhat simple, right? He's just going to let the o, the O-line and, and Taylor beat up the defense, and then he's going to torch them over the top. It's like the oldest approach to offensive football, uh, and the Badgers are pretty much one of the best at executing and happen to have some of the best talent in the country to do it. So you take a look at their schedule. Uh, non-conference, you know, you, you'd expect Wisconsin – as they often have, to be a fairly cupcakey non-con, and this year is no different. Uh, they open up at home against Western Kentucky, then New Mexico, and then BYU. Uh, three home games for the non-con. They open up the conference slate at Iowa before getting their bye week. Uh, home for Nebraska at Michigan. Home for Illinois at Northwestern. Home for Rutgers at Penn State at Purdue. And then home for Minnesota. Um, you know, just kind of looking at their schedule... Their toughest games are all on the road. You know, their their home slate is, you know, pretty reasonable, I, I think, from, from their aspect. Uh, you know, home against Nebraska, Illinois, Rutgers, Minnesota. That's not necessarily the murderer's row of, of home games. But how, r- like, how many points will they give up at home? Ten? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, yeah. this their schedule is definitely an upgrade from last year in that sure. they had um, so so they do have uh, five conference road games this year. Last year they had five total road games, one of those being at BYU. But the big exchange um, this season, you know, last year Maryland equates maybe to Rutgers. Uh, they've played Michigan two years in a row now. But the the trade is they drop Indiana and they pick up Penn State, and that's at Penn State, like that certainly is a net negative on their, uh, you know, expected win percentage. So here's, here's the interesting thing. When I first look at Wisconsin's schedule, my first reaction is it's a one game schedule. It's that trip to Michigan. The more you look at it, the more interesting it gets, especially when you think about Northwestern. Consider this, right? On one hand, obviously Wisconsin's flipping awesome. <laughs> We've talked about it. Uh, they can do crazy damage on both sides of the ball. This team could easily be somehow better than last year's team. Um, but with that said, envision a situation where Northwestern, who we have a history, at least recent history, of playing Wisconsin kind of close, we finally get over the hump and we get that giant home win at Wisconsin, right? Were that to happen, and obviously that's been the formula for us to somehow climb the Big Ten West ladder for how many years now, right? Um, It's getting that win over Wisconsin. Think about the rest of our schedule, right? Of the other four hardest teams we play, two are not in the Big Ten. Were we to beat Wisconsin, we could lose to Michigan and Michigan State. And as long as Wisconsin lost either at Michigan or at Penn State, we would hold a tiebreaker against them. So it's, it's on one hand, it's like you look at the schedule and, and I honestly, the more I look at this, I'm like, 
Michigan's the better team in every single game on their... I mean, Wisconsin's the better game at every single team on their schedule, except at Michigan, where the fact that they're on the road could make it close. But on the flip side, that's how close it is. You can talk yourself into the concept of a situation where we get the big win and then just need the Badgers to lose at Michigan or at Penn State. The flip side, though, like I said, the ceiling for this team, this schedule, is that the Badgers win every game. That is entirely possible. The only other like interesting one you haven't mentioned, and that's at Iowa. Both the Badgers and the Cats have to go to Iowa this year. And I, I, I don't think any of us are shaking in our boots when it comes to the Hawkeyes, but after that just disaster that Ohio State experienced you know, in Kinnick, last year it it's hard to ignore that game and not think that with with those two teams on their schedule at home I was at least got a shot in this um in this situation I I like to think that Northwestern and Wisconsin like to your point John it comes down to to when they play each other and then um hopefully the cats are able to to hold off one of the two Michigan schools uh if not both but yeah it's I I tend to agree. I think that game at Michigan could be kind of a throwaway for the Badgers um, and not really hurt them, hurt them. Otherwise, I, I love how they match up against Penn state. I just, I think they're going to terrorize McSorley without Barkley this year. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're bringing back a team that, gave them as close uh, the the closest thing to to a conference loss conference loss last season um if not based on score well yeah based on score and just based on like it was it was we were up one and then they got that pick six right um or maybe we were down one and they got that pick six either way we we, we were down three scores before we you know kind of turned it back on at the end of the game i mean it felt like they were dominating most of that game until the end and then you know, the, the turnover and, you know, ball back on the two yard line with the safety, but right. If Clayton Thorson throws a, if Clayton Thorson throws a 90 yard touchdown pass on that same play, we win that game, which is, those are the margins, (laughs) which is, I mean, it's, I obviously that's crazy, but still that's just to reinforce. We were one play away. Um, and, and the year before, right. Um, was it that, I think it was the year before, right. The game was close into the fourth quarter. Yeah, twenty-one um, seven in uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, right. Well, and then so, we we beat them the two years prior to that, including uh, in, uh, including in Madison in twenty fifteen. Um, insane game that ended seven dimes before it ended. And prior to that, no, the road team had lost every game in this series, going back, I think, to our win in Wisconsin in two thousand. Right. I just. I can see as as like the rest of the nation were would were to lose their collective mind if this would happen, but it just goes to encapsulate like a an eight and four Northwestern team can absolutely win the Big Ten West if one of those eight wins is Wisconsin. Um, it's just it's been this way for a couple of years, and that's the interesting thing is like is that Wisconsin game has come came early for us last year, and we've got we will be waiting a little bit longer for it, so. By the time we get there, we're going to kind of know where we are and where they are. But with again, with all that said, Lord, is this a good football team? <laughs> well, and it's it's you know it's going to be strength on strength, right? 
uh, our run game against their run D and vice versa. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm really glad the game's uh, in Evanston. It gives us, uh, I think, a much better shot just given past history. That's not always true of uh, of hosting. For whatever reason, we just seem to wilt against Michigan um, in Evanston, at least since uh, since that big one back in uh, back in 2000. But yeah, I I I can't say that I'm terrified of playing Wisconsin just based on recent history. Like we've hung with them. And we also, I feel like we've been dancing around this forever, but we haven't talked about the fact that between their trip to Michigan and their trip to Northwestern, trap, trappy, trap, trap, the Illinois fighting a lion eye roll into Camp Randall. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, they roll and will be dragged and will be dragged out on a stretcher. <laughs> and they come off of playing us, and they get to cakewalk against Rutgers. That, yeah, that's true. One thing you can say about their schedule: they don't have two tough back-to-back games all year. I mean, at Penn State, at Purdue is as close as it gets. But it's funny; it's it, all it's their all big I've... ones are spaced. It's all eye of, beho- eye of the beholder, right? What you look for in a home conference schedule. Because we've been touting that we have the best home schedule in the country. But Wisconsin can certainly make that argument, too. Because Wisconsin's not going to win a game by less than, like, 30 points at home. <laughs> this entire home slate. Uh, it could even be worse than that. So, ceiling for them? 15? 12. Oh, boy. I I do feel like, you know, you put them up against five-star talent on both sides of the ball, and that's when things get dodgy with them. I think Ohio State proved that last year, as good as they are. Um, I'll say 13. I'll say 14. A ceiling of 14. I think the ceiling for this team is they get to the national title with a favorable playoff draw. Yeah, it's hard to see them beating a team like Georgia in that game, Clemson in that game. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like if they caught the right team, I just I just think they would need more out of their quarterback than he's able to give. Um, I think I think Hornybrook can win can keep them in games. I think I think he can win games for them, but I don't think he can bring them back. Uh, against a top tier opponent, and that's where, that's where I think it falls down in 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 a matchup uh, with say an Ohio State or even maybe a Michigan. I I struggle to see them going uh, f- undefeated during the year. I think just the number of of tough games on the road, they're going to drop at least one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they end up at uh, eleven and one on the season and pray that it's actually nine and three (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm praying that it's i'm i'm gonna say 10 and two and uh and that may be just the ticket we need um the the last question i have this being a game on october 27th is can you give me an early line on number of a house of horrors Halloween references that will be made during the broadcast. <laughs> Was that has that 
Wait, has it been a House of Horrors for the Badgers? Or? No, I'm just it's I'm a Halloween game, and you know that that's the sort of buzzword that those broadcasters love to use. It's All a right. stupid question. I, yeah. It's too bad it's not in Madison because, as you guys know, Halloween is a uh, it's lunacy in in Madtown um, with the uh, everybody getting dressed up and hammered. Um, Got to so. wonder how much of that's going to come south. Yeah. I mean, they always. I feel like the Badgers always bring a really sizable contingent to Northwestern, but it doesn't. It's it's not on the same order as Ohio State or Michigan. It's let's hope though. I mean, that's that's the game to circle. I mean, everyone knows about the slate. Everyone knows about the Notre Dame game, etc. Um, this is the one that matters. It has mattered for several years now. It all comes down to this game. Um, so. We leave October with this one in our in our belts. Um, things are really going to start to get interesting. All right. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for our Wisconsin preview. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlot Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.